podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Two Slips in the Gully. We're on a road trip. Well, by we, I mean Captain Gary's here with me. Yeah, I'm here. We uh, travelled to the game together. Glenn has made his own way home, so unfortunately won't be here for this episode. But yes, we have just spent the last four days watching the New South Wales versus Queensland Sheffield Shield game at North Dalton Park in Wollongong, and it was incredible. It was really good. There was no kids. We had no wives. It was just me, you, and Glenn. It was fantastic. Oh, and the cricket was pretty good too. Yeah, the cricket was good. <laughs> um, yes, absolutely phenomenal. Unfortunately, the game itself petered out to be a pretty nothing draw by the end of it, but still, it was high quality. We got to see some uh, phenomenal names, Nathan Lyon, Mitchell Stark, Kawaja, Lavashane, Swepson, our boy Nisa, he was all there. Got to see some young guns come through. Jason Sanger had a great game. Lockie Hearn was on debut. Um, yeah, it was just it was a really great experience, and I'm glad that it happened over the Easter weekend when um, we could organise some time off from our respective employments to get down there and set up shop under a tree in the shade. And yeah, it was brilliant. Esky full of goodies and <laughs> not the goodies we wanted. Thank you, security. Yeah. Well, they, they supplied some of those goodies at the ground, and we were more than happy to help because uh, the uh, Wollongong Cricket Association um, made sure that I think each uh, they had a different team every day, so a different club from the, the local Wollongong Cricket District got to host the canteens. They put on a sausage sizzle and, you know, had pies and a fridge full of soft drink and beer and... Cider and I, and I, I, I bought a beer. I think I bought two beers and a sausage sandwich, and it cost me less than ten bucks. It was great. It was fantastic. I, like I, I, I've been to the cricket many times, and for ten dollars, you'll get a flat beer that's not cold in a cup. It tastes like yuck. <laughs> it's just shit ass. But this was fan, fantastic. Wollongong, well, you've outdone yourself. It was great. Well, basically, what they did is they went to Dan Murphy's and bought a shitload of alcohol. Yeah, it was great. Cans of it poured it in the fridge, and then when we asked for it, they said, "Look, we can't give you the can." And like cracked the can, they poured it into a massive cup and gave it to us and sent us on our way. So yeah, it was pretty good. It was good. It was a great. It was a great four days. Uh, it's the first time. Uh, it was the first time I've managed to go to see a game in its entirety live. I believe it's the first time you yeah, have, yeah, as in yeah. a multiple day yeah, game. Yeah, in a multiple day game, yeah. Um, so I was very excited to keep rocking up uh, every morning and. Uh, I think we actually made some friends with the security guards by the end of it because they kept, uh, yeah, kept they seeing they, us every day. They didn't worry about us in the end. It was just these two idiots from nowhere just wandering around doing stuff, and it was, yep. yeah, it was good. Actually, met met a few people. Lockie Hearn's parents were sitting next to us at one point. And, yeah, uh, that was a great. Aaron was having a good old chat with them, so it was good. <laughs> that was good fun. So, yeah, New South Wales debutant Lockie Hearn, um, he scored a 50 on debut on day two. Um, yeah, we where we decided to set up shop, which was, you know, it was under a tree, about Mid- hundred meters away from the beach. Mid wicket to a right hander, and then fine leg to a right hander, depending on what end you yeah you're playing from. Um, we were set up shop there and sat down, and then uh, 
all of a sudden this other group of people came and sat down and they were all talking about you know, Lockie and it, uh, it became quite apparent from the context of their conversation that they had a, a personal relationship with them and it turned out, yeah, it was, it was Lockie's parents come down to see their pride and joy on the baggy blue and score a 50 on debut. Yeah, you just... It's, it was really nice to see. However, it's made it really hard that you can't bag someone out when their parents are sitting next to you. Though, yeah, you know? no no joking sledges happened nah, for um, nah. for Lockie Hearn. But, you know, to be fair, he didn't really do anything we needed to sledge. No, nah, he, he scored a half century on debut and, and, you know, who could ask for more? I think late day three he had a uh, – no, late day three? Yeah, I think it might have been late day three he had a um, a sledgeable moment where he's Harbour Ridge one on the boundary and let it oh, go yeah. for four. Yeah, he – uh, yeah, we didn't need to sledge him. Did you see the look on his face? Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he knew. Yeah. Um, so I suppose while we're here, I'm sure many people have had access to the result, but we're going to talk about it anyway. So um, funny enough, it would look like a pitch that was pretty uh, low and slow, didn't really offer a great deal of the bowling, and Queensland sent New South Wales in. Which we spent, what, four days trying to work out why. why? And we've kind of realised about halfway through day two, that we're pretty sure it was why. It was, you know, they got to host the final so long as they didn't lose. And I suppose the easiest way to not lose a game is to send them in, bowl, bowl really defensive, have them have to spend as much time putting together a yeah a, a target as possible, and then you just go out and dead bat for the middle part of the game and just, just take the game away, which is essentially what happened. Um, New South Wales tried to go through and get a score. It took them four sessions to get to 380. And then uh, Queensland didn't really go out with any impetus to um, to set up their score, which was uh, off the back of a Kawaja 100. They ended up getting to, uh, what was it, 433. Um, they looked like there might have been half a chance late in uh, day three of forcing a result for Queen a Queensland victory because uh, um, Mitch Swepson started playing, well, bowling really, really well. Uh, and they ended up getting uh, New South Wales five for one forty-five yeah. um, before the rain set in on on day four and uh, brought an end to festivities. But uh, there were some phenomenal things we got to see. Uh, Daniel Hughes uh, looked really good at the top of the order. Um, really unlucky to only get seventy-four. He looked in really good touch. Matthew Jilks, who showed a lot of promise during the Big Bash, he, he finally was, got he was a, another debutant as well. Uh, no, not a debutant. It was the first time he opened the batting. All oh, right, yeah, yeah. Um, he ended up with a pair of fifties actually in both innings, opening the batting. Um, Jason Sanger, who's a guy that I've been a big fan for a long time, um, had a he, he played for a Prime Minister's eleven against England and scored a hundred, and then for the next yeah. sort of eighteen months was dubbed the next Ricky Ponting and how he should be in the Test side. Way ahead of schedule. Um, but he's got a game with all of the outs. The players have gone to the IPL. Uh, he's got 100. And I, I thought he looked phenomenal. I thought he looked his technique looked absolutely flawless. He was looked it, solid. Was, was it him who got dropped three times or he got dropped uh, Jil- once? Jilks got dropped three times. I think Sang got dropped once. Queensland, yeah. Like, it's like they, they didn't, didn't want catch to well catch at all. But, yeah. Um, and then, like we said, Lockie Hearn came out and scored the 50. Um the man we actually went to see, Trent Copeland, fellow Bathurst boy. Yep. Played a pull shot. Played a pull great. shot, scored four, and then thought, you know what, I want a bowl. So had the decency to get out so he could have a bowl. <laughs> Only hang around for four, but it was um, it was good to see. It was it was a one of the best fours you'll ever see from wow. a number ten. Uh, taking the whole Rob Quiney approach yeah, to Oh yeah. Oh, it was great. a cl- it was a classy four. <laughs> um 
And then, yeah, so Queensland came out, like I said, not a lot of batting impetus. Bryce Street, 59, uh, and he went, oh, I think, if, off 150 balls or something, if yeah, I remember some, right. Some, uh, something ridiculous. Uh, Marnus Labuschagne um, got off slow, but uh, he did, does what Marnus does and just ground his way to another first-class 100. Uh, Kouage looked really solid. Um, there's a bunch of other starts. I remember Renshaw had a bit of a start. Pearson looked really good, actually. He was probably the only guy that batted with any real intent. He got himself a half century. I can't remember exactly what he got, 55 or 60 or something Something around there. Um, And, and yeah, uh, one thing that uh, did come to mind, and it's a little bit concerning, Mitchell Stark, 30 overs, no wickets. (laughs) I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. Um, I'll I'll tell you why later. Yeah, well, explain why we're laughing. I know why he's laughing. Yeah, he's, he's... it was atrocious to be to be fairly blatant. Well, I don't know if he, like, I don't think he bowled badly. I, I just I, don't I, think I, he I bowled did. with any real in, like it just didn't bowl what he needed to get wickets. He just he was didn't go for many runs. Like he he's only going at two and a bit runs, nearly three runs, which is that's fine for Mitchell Stark bowling. You know he's you know a bit loose. Yeah, but they, they really weren't quick. going after him though. Like if he mm. bowled a loose ball, they just let it go through to the keeper. And that was the thing, uh, Stark. He didn't like he just kept plugging away that line where he'd be letting it go about sort of rib height outside off stump, trying to be the on a pitch that's not really offering enough. Where in, like where were the where was coming around the wicket and attacking there, the bodies or bowling few, Yorkers or a few really good balls that sort of really um yeah, upset the, the batsman. But the second new ball he bowled far between. his first three overs he bowled four balls that were full enough to hit the stumps and he beat the bat with all of them. Yep. Um and then everything else he just plug back in and trying to bounce people out. It was just I've got real concerns about Mitchell Stark. I really like Mitchell Stark as a bowler. Um I don't know if I've said it on the podcast and I've said it out of the podcast that fully fit and in form, Mitchell Stark is the third player I pick for Australia. Oh yeah. Steve Smith, Pat Cummins, Mitchell Stark, because a fully fit in form Mitchell Stark can win you a test match in half a session. Oh yeah. He's that good. But we haven't seen that Mitchell Stark we haven't seen that Mitchell Stark since the 2015 World Cup. Yeah, where he nearly killed everyone in New Zealand. Um, and that's I've got real concerns about Starkey that if he and he's had a, he's had a rough few weeks, few months. Yeah, he, he's had you know his his father passed away. You know the whole bubble experience, and I, I know everyone's dealing with it, but you know some people aren't as resilient as others. You know he might not be dealing with the fact that he's got a travel around in a hotel all the time. So it's a it's a much more stressful environment playing cricket at the moment. He's not probably in the form that he'd like to be in. So not only is he dealing with the stress of, you know, potentially letting his mates down, um, you know, he's got issues with his family that he's, you know, basically, you know, he's lost his father and all the, the, the problems COVID caused with the logistics of dealing with that, where you know, he was in a different state, he wouldn't be able to get there in time and all that sort of headaches. And then he's got the pressures of playing badly, losing family members and, you know, being basically stuck in a hotel room well, the, for the, the thing, whole of summer. The thing is too, like, I, I know it's not many of us can sort of relate, but his his wife plays for Australia in the, in the women's yeah, game. So she, she's she, it's in her like, own bubble. So. Yeah, so it's not like they can... So, like, Even, Steve Smith's wife came and spent yeah. um, a few a few days with, with Steve Smith before the, the Sydney test. You know, Starkey wouldn't have been able to have that because Alyssa Healy would have been on her own 
bubble, Australian duties, all that sort of stuff. And I bet you that's tough. I bet you that's really, really hard. But the thing is, he's he's stayed out of the IPL, um, so he's got the one-day final coming up and the Shield final coming up, and then I think there's a really long break where he doesn't have anything. So I'm hoping he comes out fully recharged, fit, ready and raring to go because he's got an Ashes summer coming up this coming summer. Yeah. I'm really scared that this could be the last summer that we see Mitchell Stark in a baggy green because if he has a pretty ineffectual Ashes, you've got so many young fast bowlers coming through. Jai Richardson, uh, you've got Pattinson and Nisa and Abbott who are already in around the squad. You've got Steckity who was picked for that tour to South Africa. You know, Riley Meredith, who uh, you know we all think isn't ready for the national honours yet, but yeah. he's got a lot of um, a lot of support behind him. And you know, there's a lot to like about Riley Meredith. He's tall. He's 145, 150 kilometre per hour fast bowler. Like there's a, there's a lot of appeal to that. So if if Starkey has a real ineffectual Ashes series. Yeah. I don't know. You know, he'll be 32, I think, 32, 33 uh, um, by oh. the end of that series. I don't know if you can give him much more of a leash to go wait till he turns it around. It'll come good. I think it's come to the point now where the days where Starkey's going to rock up and clean a, the top order up are getting fewer and further between, and it's now time that we yeah. invest in these guys that are churning out really good performances because Starks hasn't. If I've, if I just showed you Mitchell Stark's domestic stats from this year without telling you that it's Mitchell Stark, you wouldn't pick him to play for the national side. I probably not. I, what I what I think he needs to do is uh, get on the phone, Mitchell Johnson, and talk to him because Mitchell Johnson turned his game around. Um, he was he, he was on the outer. He'd been dropped a few times, and and then he he just come back with so much mongrel in him. And I think that's what Mitchell Stark needs. I'm not going to say it should be his swan song, but... Oh, there's t- 31, 32. There's still plenty he has to offer, but it's a it's a taxing bowling style that he has. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of strain that will go through all of his ankles and knees and all that sort of stuff. So if he gets a little bit of a niggle there, that it's way more impactful than what you think. Okay, oh, it's just a he's just got a sore knee; he'll be right. But when you're going through running in and putting six, seven times your body weight through your, yeah. all your joints, that sore knee that is, you know, the rest of us would walk off and is nothing because we're not fast bowlers. When you're having to go and do that for thirty overs, you know, yeah, it makes it really difficult and it, and just it throws off your bowling style. So I'm really hoping. That Starkey's got some got some time off to himself, can rest, recuperate, um, deal with the stresses that have that this summer has had because there's been plenty of them. Yeah, and comes back with a clear head, uh, a clean bill of health, and skittles some English wickets. I, I think too, it, it might be a little bit of lacking passion. I suppose it's. I'm not not going to say that in a bad way. Um, but when you're doing the same thing every day and you're sort of locking yourself away over night time, I bet you that's tough. I don't know. I didn't. I don't think he looks lethargic and over it. It could be yeah. right. I think it's something good to consider. But I don't think that that's um, like he's made a concerted effort to be there for. Oh, yeah, like he could have definitely. just gone. He could have ended himself in the IPL auction and got himself a massive payday to go and play, um, play cricket. I, I think. I think maybe yeah. The stresses of being in these bubbles for so long is. Something that's um, oh, it's been brought up ideal. by like some of the Indian players and all those sort of guys as well. So it's understandable. So you know he's at home. He goes, wins a few games for New South Wales, gets a shield uh, a shield title, which I don't think he's got before. And then yeah, go and spend the winter hanging out with 
with Alyssa, have a good time, be a family, come back, skittle the palms, get the ashes. Bob's your uncle. Yeah. Um, well, it leads us into a funny segue. Should we know what we were laughing about before we started that point? The um, the the standard, <laughs> the stand, the, the accepted standard of interaction with the fans is a little more lax. A little. At, uh, a little more lax. At, um, at uh, this ground than say at uh, the SCG. Yeah, well, the the guy that was there was a particular gentleman. Now, this particular gentleman, I I I know for a fact that he would have had to have been at an Australia game or Australia, you know, whatever game, one of those really big games where the SCG where you you can yell anything you want at the players pretty much to to its point, and they just they shut you down. Nothing, nothing. They just stonewall you. Yeah, they give you nothing. You, you yeah. can just sit there. You're going to be saying nice things to players to get yep. their attention, and you maybe might get like a just a lazy wave or yeah. a thumbs up or – you know, like a you just a, and, it's a usually, cat. and it's usually after they take a catch and they have to walk back towards the boundary, and they're usually know. facing the boundary as they do it. Yeah, sort of not thing. not in the middle, not in the middle. Yeah, you never get them once they turn around facing. You never get them to turn back around to go. Yeah, yeah, hi guys. It's just yeah. Anyway, you can continue the story, Aaron, because <laughs> so, I'll start laughing. So this bloke, he he was there all four days, yep. like us. Um, running around, just making a nuisance of himself, just yelling. Like, you know, there's nothing wrong with what he was doing. No, like, no. Um, nothing no. at all. He was just being a pain in the ass. Loud, <laughs> obnoxious, walking around the ground, shouting out. Like most of the crowd, the crowd was, you know, polite. There was applause when stuff happened. There was no real yeah. massive interaction. You had kids coming down to the fence to try and get signatures and stuff. But there wasn't any jeering or anything like that, except for this one guy that would be just... Per- <laughs> Patrolling the boundary edge, just yelling out stuff like "pitch it on the stump, Starkey," or "let's go Queensland." Yeah, but he went. Right. For, he said he wanted to go for Queensland. He's like, "Come on, New South Wales." And I'm like, "Dude, who are you yeah. going for?" He was just. He was just painful. Um, and so, like we said, Starkey wasn't really attacking the stumps or doing anything, and he was copping a little bit. And um, so he was sitting there going. Yeah, I think he bowled a real full, like a Yorker, and it just got dug out. It was a great ball. And he's yeah. like, great work, Starkey. That's what I told you to do like four overs ago. And the next ball was a short one, which got cut to the boundary. And he's like, no, you can't bowl short. you got to pitch it up. you got to hit the stump, Starkey. And Mitchell Stark turns around and just goes, shut up. It, it, it was the funniest thing I've <laughs> ever heard in my life. We, we we just looked at we each other. We were sitting there and, and we were like, you cannot. He just told him to shut up. We were like, did that just happen? Yeah, it was, yep, yep. And then, he, but he didn't shut up. And then two overs later, he was yelling at him again and Stark, he's got the ball and he goes, will you just sit down? So he sat down next to the fence. And, and he was he, facing the opposite. Like yeah. he sat down and like looked away like a kid that was in. I was like, this He is, was in so much trouble. This was great. <laughs> Cricketers should do this more often. Oh, he wasn't the brightest spark in the shed, though, mate, but he, he must have had a great time. He went over to get um, some batsmen. Sanger got out for 100 and something, and uh, he went over to get his autograph. And I'm like, dude, he just got out. You don't go anywhere near a batsman when he just got out. What the hell? Especially not cheering. You spent the last half an hour cheering Queensland. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, um, uh, yeah. yeah. It the was guy, pretty funny. The guy was painful, but everything he was saying to Starkey was pure truth. Like uh, Starkey uh, was ineffectual as a bowler, but yeah, it was it was great. He's just, just tell him that he's just turned around and he's just shut up, yeah, sit down. Yeah, I, I great. 
that should happen more often. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I feel as though if a, if a batsman or a bowler attacked the, the crowd, uh, the SCG or the MCG or something like that, you'd never hear the end of it. Uh, no. Well, I suppose that the other thing too, you've had one bloke in a crowd of maybe oh, 700, yeah. 800, whereas if you go and yell at a bloke that's in a bank of chairs that is seven or 800 with then yeah. seven or 800 next to that one, and, 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 yeah. and you know, it, it becomes a lot harder and then you know that guy you're yelling at usually got 10 friends who are then all going to get stuck in and yell so it's just yeah. best to not interact with but the it crowd. was hilarious but it was great i loved every second of that i was just like god <laughs> I, I want him to come and field at like deep square leg and then have him go yell at starkey when he was on the boundary edge and just watch starkey just like yeah but yeah it didn't happen because he fielded at gully for yeah. most of his most of the uh the fielding innings I suppose we we actually skipped a step on this drive back to Bathurst. Um, we should have a chat about the ground. How great was the ground? Uh, I've I've played cricket for I'm carry the four a long time, Aaron, um, and I've played on some really pretty grounds. I've been to a few pretty grounds. I don't think I've ever seen one quite as beautiful. Yeah, it was it was. Speechless. North Dalton Park in Wollongong. And for days one and two, Wollongong really turned the weather on. It was crystal clear, it was, it blue skies. <laughs> um, uh, from where we were sitting, you know, we could hear the ocean crashing onto the beach. Uh, in front of us, we obviously had the ground. We had a small grandstand. Behind that, we had like three apartment buildings. And then behind that, we had a mountain scale, a mountainscape, like just – and then all framed in by this gorgeous blue sky, um, green, you know, coastal trees everywhere. It was amazingly picturesque. You know, white picket fence around oh, the and ground. The, and the ground was just, just like carpet. It was amazing. You'd be a bit uh, a bit spoiled as a third grader in Bathurst. There's no divots or little sprinklers oh, or bindies in or, that one. Or rocks. <laughs> or rocks. Or holes you can lose your keys in. <laughs> Oh. Um, uh, if you if they have another game at North Dalton Park, or if they have if you're anywhere near Wollongong during cricket season, and there's a game at North Dalton Park, go and watch it, even if it's just the local grade cricket, because it is such a spectacular ground. I couldn't I couldn't get over it. I I, I felt because it is a, a grade ground. Um, New South Wales and Queensland, I think they've played on it once before, but they do play soccer there occasionally and stuff like that. However. If if it was grade cricket, just just go and look, like faced east, you you oh wow! No, you want to face west, facing yeah. east. You oh yeah yeah yeah. Or well, east isn't too bad either. You just well, don't get the mountains in it. No. You've just got like palm trees and. It doesn't really matter which way you look at it. Yeah, it's a it's a great. It's, it's amazing. Um, yeah, it is phenomenal ground. Well, I think we spent the first. 10 overs is just going, how great is this? Oh, I don't know about 10 overs. By the end of the day, we still walked out and we said, geez, that's a pretty ground. Yeah. And, and we kept saying it throughout the, the four days that we were there. So if anyone is listening is from Wollongong or plays at North Dalton Park or anything like that, you guys are lucky. That is a phenomenal ground. And you guys turned it on for that Shield game. It was fantastic to be at. The atmosphere was great too. Like we've gone and watched plenty of games at a stadium all packed into the seats and all that, oh, you know, yeah. the atmosphere of a loud crowd. But I love the atmosphere of just having room and just yeah. chilling and just watching the game 
yeah, it's, it's unfold. It's, you're not worried about the you know the three million other fans surrounded. You're surrounded by you know, so many other people, and you, you're just concentrating on the cricket. You're sitting in, back in there, our massive um, yeah, chairs we had and, massive camp chairs. It was very oh. very comfy for days two, three, and four. We filled up the esky, so we didn't even need to go. I really want to go and get a pie, but I don't want to spend forty five dollars and missed five overs lining up for it. <laughs> But yeah, it was it was it was remarkable. Um, so yes, phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Um, yeah, can't speak highly enough of that. And yeah, we got to see some some fantastic cricket, if not a little slow. But I suppose that was a byproduct of what each team was trying to achieve. Queensland just didn't want to lose. The pitch wasn't really offering a great deal. Um, uh, some other notes out of that game. I personally thought in the first innings, Mitch Swepson probably bowled a bit too low and flat, he too did, fast he, and flat, yeah, just he, darted he, it in yeah. a lot. I, I think he was trying to dry up runs, though. Yeah, I, I feel that was probably the game plan early on is just really put the pressure on. Like, if we take wickets, we take wickets, you know, attack the, um, you know, early on with a new ball, attack the outside edge, but then after that, just tight line length, wait for New South Wales to make mistakes. And New South Wales actually, to Queensland's credit, made quite a few, but they just kept putting catches down on day one. Yeah, they, they dropped three. Um, three well, or four? I, I think three or four in the first two sessions. I'm pretty sure Jilks got dropped three times and Hughes got and dropped once. And they were sitters. Oh, like, yeah, really bad. I would have been really cranky at the, as, as the captain in third grade. Like, dude, what the hell? Dog there, was, there was one that was... Would have been a dead set screamer. Doggett dropped one at fine leg, I think, which was just like I think hit he straight to him, he and he clapped just, his hands at it like a seal. It was great. Um, and then there was another one early in the day. I think that was off Dan Hughes. It was at fine leg. He had to run to it, but he made really good ground and probably should have caught it. And then yeah, and then spilled his lollies. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just yeah, really great. Four days, and um, hopefully we can make this a uh, an annual. Maybe not an annual because obviously the dates won't line up. But at yeah. least two slips and a gully tries to get to one shield game for the for the duration of the game. I think the cool part season. though is you're sitting on the ground and the grounds in front of you. They're out there playing cricket, and all of a sudden people show up in your peripherals, and those people may not be who that you think they are. Um, one of them was, well, quite a few times, uh, Nathan Lyon walked past us just kicking a football along and uh, Joe Burns a few times and just half yeah. the team just wandering around. There was a, was a point I went to the went to the bathroom actually and me and, then me and you decided to go and get a beer and here was Harry was Harry Conway leaning up against fence playing Pokemon. Yeah, he was, <laughs> he was one of the 12th men and he was just sitting on the ground leaning up against the fence on his phone I, I, I don't know, might have been playing Pokemon, might have been texting, but yeah, we were in line and he's just, yeah, lying on the ground with his phone. The amount of times that we walked past to, to go to the canteen or go to the bathroom because it was right next to the canteen yeah. and we were watching um, like Matt Renshaw come yeah. out to go because they, they've got their own nets set up at the ground. So Renshaw would be coming out with Andy Bickle and oh. just having a net session. Or, of all you know, the people we saw, I was so excited about seeing Andy Bickle. And I finally got to say good day to him, and he said, "He said hello, champ." Yeah, and I, that was enough for me. It was really funny. Like you could tell that we were a lot older than some of the people that were very excited because there were lots of kids walking around that would be all hushed when Kawaja and Labuschagne and the oh, and they'd be just watching the cricketers come out. 
and they'd recognise them as cricketers and be like, oh, my God. But they'd we, like Andy Bickle come walking past and no Nobody one, no said one anything. Turn, would, their head wouldn't turn at all. They'd just be focused on this guy. And it's just like, oh, children, if you only he knew. knew who he was. Oh, I, I went to the bathroom and, and Labashane actually walked out from the, the, the rooms and sort of walked past me and I just looked at him. Oh, Labashane. By the time I'd come back, he had about 60 people around him, like all young kids. And he was out there signing signatures and all that sort of stuff, which I thought was fantastic. Oh, full credit to Marnus Labashane. I reckon he he probably would have spent six or seven hours oh, signing over the four days. And no one else really no, did that. No, not really. Um, Nathan Lyon did, did a little, little bit. bit on, like, at the end of the day on day one and two, like he, cause they obviously had that little tunnel where they get into the dressing rooms and the kids would line up there and there was a bit of stuff, but um, yeah, Labashane, especially with the rain delays, he'd be out there signing stuff yeah, on that last day. Right um, though I tell you what, they are efficient, the Queensland cricket side, because we had that, was it day two or day three where, cause we were on the far, from the far side of the field from the grandstand. So the time it took us to pack up our chairs. So they called stumps walking off. We've packed our chairs up, packed the esky up, walked to the other side of the ground, out the gate, and they're piling into their, their little, little, minivan. little minivan and driving off. And it's like, wow. So they've got – because they were fieldings there off the ground. No, no, he was batting. It was the end of day day two when yeah. he was batting. So he's got off the ground, out of his kit, into his just like team shirt, um, packed up, gone. And the time it took us to walk across the other side of the field. Well, they'd have to go and pick up the cone. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they certainly did not. Um, but, yeah, they, they were in and out. And it was just amazing just, like, how how close you were. Like, you mean, the amount of times that I've, like, r- almost rubbed shoulders with people that have a baggy green. Like, we, we were leading. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the, we would have been in within, like, throwing distance of these guys all the time. I just... What I couldn't work out is, when we we sort of at the end of the first day we went and sat in the grandstand because it was, it was, it was hot, hot. <laughs> and um, so yeah, it was beautiful. And I'm standing there and I'm thinking, oh, this cricket malarkey's not that hard, surely. And I think uh, there was three or four of them walked past me, and Stark was one of them. And I thought to myself, yeah, he's he's pretty fit. And then uh, Labuschagne walked past not long later. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I've got a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no passengers in a shield. Team. There's no, no, there's no, no blokes that you, all right, you're at first slip. Why is it slip? Because he clearly can't run. Yeah. Yeah. Kawaja took a catch. It was an athletic catch too. It was. It was great. But yeah, I, I think um, if we ever have the opportunity, Aaron, we're doing that again. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'll look at these shield dates for next summer and figure out uh, when it works out that we can get some time off. and Yeah, we can go fishing again. It was great. I caught a stingray. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I'm um historically speaking, Gary fishes a lot, loves fishing. The whole time I've known him, he's been a, an avid fisherman, gets no. out whenever he can. I, on the other hand, am not. No. Um, Gary's known me since my late teens, and for majority of my, well, basically all of my teens and twenties, never really found sitting still. Yeah, I, something I, that I've done well, which is funny that I'm a Test cricket fan because it involves yeah, a lot of sitting still. But um, other than that, don't really like to sit still a lot, and fishing requires a lot. So, and as a child, my grandfather took me fishing, and I never caught anything because I just eat my bait and disappear. And I never found any enjoyment out of it because whenever he took me fishing, it was always at a holiday destination. So I'd be on like a 
like it was Morton Island in Queensland and a few yeah. places like so I had other stuff to do and it's like oh, I could be sitting here watching fish eat the bait off my hook or I could go <laughs> swimming. Yeah. And so I just never got into fishing. But you know, I said to Gary, No, it's fine, we'll have two slips in the gully is boys trip away. Yep. You want to go fishing? We'll go fishing and I won't even complain. He didn't he did not complain at I, all. I caught him rolling his eyes when I said that. Yeah. Because he didn't believe me, but <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't complain one bit, and I caught a stingray. I, I could not be more proud. I really <laughs> couldn't. Because I, I said at one point, oh. We did throw him back for we anyone did. out there yeah. that's saying that, you know. Yeah, Steve Irwin. Anyway, um, yeah, I couldn't be more proud. Like I said to you at one point, oh, do you want to go? And you're like, no. We can, go, we can get going. It's all right. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it was at the end of it because I wasn't catching anything, and we were sitting near a jetty, and there was a light from the boat ramp, so I could actually see the water, because it was pretty late. Well, what, 8.30 at night by the time we finally finished? Yeah, and it was daylight savings had finished. So, so it was very dark. Uh, but I could see that there were more stingrays in the water. There were so many. And so I was dangling my thing in front of them, trying to like get him to catch it, and, and none of them I'm surprised make. he didn't say, here, fishy, fishy, fishy. No, <laughs> it was saying, here, fishy, fishy, fishy. <laughs> Um, so no, it's definitely something we should do again. Uh, Glenn had a great time as well. He missed, like I said, we missed days one and two because yeah. he uh, he was being a musician and had yeah. to live that band life. But he got down to see the the back end of day three and day four. Before it rained out. He had a great time as I well. Think the first thing he got there is he said, "Jesus is pretty." Oh, yeah. <laughs> great minds were thinking alike that day. Definitely. Uh, so I think we sort of wrap up this podcast. There's a little bit of a point to it. So uh, Queensland got the draw. They're hosting the final, which will be, I assume, because of the AFL and all things like that, that it'll be at Allen Border Oval. It won't be at the Gabba. What are we thinking going forward? So Queensland looked pretty good in this game. Um, you know, 400 plus. They took 15 New South Wales wickets and were looking like they were within a shout if they managed to get a full day in of winning this last game. Yeah, but I, did- I think when, when New South Wales come out to bat, the the Western Australia game was sort of wrapped up, so it didn't really matter what had happened because Western Australia... Well, yeah, well, they needed 400 runs in their first innings and they got bundled out for 200 and something. Yeah. So it was so basically... It did, it, it, New South Wales couldn't be removed from the final. It was just then... Yeah, I, I, I think... Um, I think you think there's, there's not a lot to play for, so nah, we just sort really. of go out and sort of try and hit a few, which I was surprised. But um, when the rain rocked up and uh, it ruined everything, <laughs> but I, I, I feel as though um, Queensland should probably win it because they've got uh, Hazelwood coming back for that game, and no. I think Peter Neville is on the yeah. cards to come back as well and captain the side because he congratulations to Peter. I'm pretty sure he took time out of this game to. Uh, because his wife's having a baby, so. Oh, well, didn't know that one. So, yeah, so Neville, I think, should be back for the Shield final. Yeah. And I imagine that they're not going to play Liam Hatcher again. They'll play Hazelwood. So you'll have Stark, Hazelwood, Lyon, and then probably Copeland. Copeland! And maybe Sean Abbott, too. Yeah, well, it's a formidable bowling lineup, but they really need to stand up. Like, Nathan Lyon did a great job, but... I thought it was a bit he, – he ended up getting named player of the game. And I thought, like, he did take six wickets in the first innings, but Labuschagne scored 100, took a catch. Took a wicket. Got, got a wicket of his own. Um, I thought that Labuschagne was probably more deserving yeah. of player of the game, especially considering that 
Queensland were in the more dominant position in the game. Definitely. But, yeah, we'll see what happens in the final. Oh, I think it'll be interesting. I'm leaning towards New South Wales. I think uh, the addition of Hazelwood to come back, because like, Liam Hatcher got pumped for the oh. majority of that that bowling innings. It like, was every, atrocious. He was going for so much. They're not going to get that. They're going to have Copeland and Hazelwood drawing it up. You know, Stark hopefully finding a bit of form and knocking a few wickets over. I think New South Wales. And then you got Sean Abbott as the other guy who's going to offer a bit with a bat and going to be a, a, a really handy fourth quick option. Like, he, he'd make the side as a bowler alone. So yeah. they'll, they'll have four four quicks with Australian experience and Nathan Lyon, who's the best spinner in Australia. Um, no, I, their I, batting's the way they've got to look out for because, obviously, they've got Dan Hughes and probably Jilks open the batting again. You know, Patterson's got a bag of green and is yeah. a good batsman when he gets it done. And then it's a bit skinny in the middle there. So you'd imagine it's probably Sanger and Neville. Yeah, Neville can bat, but um, I think Sanger needs to stand up. He's been batting well. But um, needs a consistency. Oh, Jack, He's only Jack 20- Edwards as well. Like, mm. yeah. So I just don't know where they're going to. So what you'd think it'd be, Jilks, Hughes, Patterson. Um, then they played Sanger. Then Edwards. Edwards, Neville, Abbott, Hazelwood, Stark, Lyon, Copeland. Yeah, that's probably yeah. what they're going to run with. Yeah. Um. That's a fair side. There's plenty of runs there that they do need Edwards and Sanger to, to stand. Like Sanger needs to stand. I hope. I hope this hundred that he got in this game keeps him in the uh, New South Wales setup for quite a while. He has a, a bit of a, a fluctuating history with New South Wales in and out of the side. Because apart from he, that one he, drop catch that he had, he looked solid. Yeah, absolutely solid. Um, he's 21. Deserves being persisted with. Um, I think he's a better. He's a better player than um, than Jilks. And Jilks keeps getting goes. I mean, Jilks yeah. is getting a run, um, was getting a run as a keeper, but he wasn't keeping in this game because Baxter Holt kept. Neville will keep in the final. Um, I obviously think Jilks should, should still be there, but next season I hope that we see Sanger more often than we don't. Yeah. I mean, I know there's some talented players to come back. Enriquez will play a lot of Shield games next year. You might have Smith and Warner playing. So obviously he's going to miss out on those ones, but... Like to see him getting a, a real good solid run at it because he's going to be a very special player for for New South Wales and potentially Australia. Oh, one definitely day down the line. Definitely um, bold, handy uh, leg spin could be that guy that we could end up taking at oh, six to don't, the. Don't tell Shane Warne that he bowls leg spin. I'll oh, get him in the team straight away. Yeah. Oh, we scored a hundred on a road against England in that uh, warm up game, and everyone was saying, "You just pick him for the test side now," and it's like, yeah, Are but you we we. Kidding? We were in a bit of a state at that time. <laughs> um, so I'm going to lean towards New South Wales. I'm going to back the Australian bowling attack to get it done. Um, but Alan Borderfield's not very big. No, and it's a five-day game. Yep. Um, Experience will come into that though. The New South Wales bowlers with the five-day game. It's going to be. It's going to be good. Like you've got Nisa, who's a very experienced, quick. Uh, Xavier Bartlett bowled very well in this game. Uh, Swepson's had a phenomenal Shield season so far. And then you've got their batting lineup. They've got a very talented batting lineup. You know, Labuschagne and Kawaja are obviously very. Re- well, Labuschagne's playing for Australia. Kawaja's recently out of the side, finding a bit of form. He had a really spotty Shield summer last year, and then started this year's off. But he's he's coming good. Um, Renshaw's found some form in the middle. Bryce Street's doing really good things, and then Joe Burns obviously is a former Australian player as well. Um, they get it all together. It's going to be a very, very interesting game. I reckon so too. 
Cool. Well, that I think will do us. We better keep our eyes on the road now. It'll be yeah, an interesting well. to get pulled over and then have to edit that out of the podcast. Well, I'm going to pull over. It's your turn to drive. My turn to drive? Yeah. All right. Well, that's probably good because I'm running the microphone. So I, I, we've finished <laughs> this up. Turn the microphones off and I will get us home. Um, we had a great time. Um, I hope you've enjoyed our special uh, road trip edition of Two Slips in the Gully. I know it wasn't very informative. It was basically just us talking about what a great couple of days we had. Uh, we will be back very, very soon, hopefully all hands on deck, and we'll get into some other cricketing stuff. Um, we'll have the Shield final, I imagine, to talk about. The IPL will be starting soon. Uh, the 100 over in England is coming up. We might have to give that a bit of air time. Uh, plenty of good stuff to talk about. Always discuss it all about with cricket. Um, so that'll do us for this episode, and we're, we're going to continue driving home. So bye for now. See you, guys. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network.